Today we have the pleasure of uh, having with us Ralph Sering, who is president and CEO at Telson Mining Corporation based in Vancouver. Uh, Ralph, welcome to Series A. Um, why don't we start uh, you telling us about the background and how you founded this company 35 years ago. And uh, let's talk about uh, financing. Sure. Well, well, thank you, George, for the opportunity to be here. A pleasure. Um, so I could give you a quick background. I, I started this company, uh, as you say, quite some time ago, 30, 35 years. I think I listed it in 1987, along with a good friend and colleague of mine. Um, we started to raise money, took a, did an initial public offering, took the company public on the now TSX Venture Exchange. It wasn't called the TSX Venture Exchange back then. However, it's the same, more or less the same exchange. And we raised money, um, initially a couple million dollars, did some exploration in a project up in the Yukon of Canada. Um, and that proved to be uh, not successful. There was not the, the metal we thought could be there. So it's like any exploration project, you get out, you spend some money on it, either it gains momentum with good results or it does not and you move on to the next one. So we moved on to the next one. Basically, I started to get busy and active in Mexico during 1995. Was looking around for projects, came across a project called Tabo Hueto, which we negotiated the acquisition of it. And that is one of our flagship projects right now. So we raised a little bit of money back in 1997 when we acquired this project. Um, did uh, spend about three, four hundred thousand dollars on the exploration of it. And then the gold market just got really hammered, went down to you know, $200. I think it was $260, $80. We couldn't raise money for quite a long period of time. And it was a particularly challenging time in the mineral exploration development industry. So we tried to do a little bit of gas exploration, oil and gas exploration, had a little bit of success with a, a gas well down in Montana. Um, and then in 2004, when the market started to embrace gold, gold started to take a bit of a run and we became more popular. And then the, all of the investment bankers got back into the mining game. We became very active on that project. We raised over $18 million and took it through exploration, um, came up with a nice resource, a nice reserve, uh, did a pre-feasibility study in 2015, I think, 16, somewhere around there. So it was a long period of time, the markets were up and down, but we kept it, this project moving along when we could access capital from the capital markets through either private placements, uh, generally non-brokered, sometimes brokered private placements. And we came up with a very solid and, and healthy resource reserve at the projects, which justified us moving forward into some pre-production toll milling to prove that we could produce a really good concentrate and sell that concentrate. And that led to us getting involved with offtake loan facility agreements with Trafigura, one of the world's largest commodity brokers. Um, and they provided us capital to this, to start the construction of the mine at the Tabuweto project. But in the meantime, we came across a, an opportunity to acquire a, a, an operating mine. It wasn't actually operating at the time, it was on care and maintenance. And this was a, a mine called Campo Morado. It had first been developed by a Canadian 
group run by the Hunter Dickinson team and they built the mine back in 2009, 2010. Is it a gold it, mine? It, it's actually a base metal mine, but it does have very high grade gold and precious metals. Mm -hmm. um, I can explain a little bit of that in a few minutes. So I'll start to run through the, the acquisition of that. So this mine was purchased by Nearstar, a, a Belgium zinc smelting company. And Nearstar was making a big push worldwide and especially in North America to buy mines and produce their own concentrate for the smelter. So they bought about a half a dozen mines uh, during 2009, 8, 9, 10, 11, when the market was at its peak, paid top dollars for them and, be, and began to operate them. But then the, the metal markets crashed again, zinc went down to like 80 cents a, a pound and Nearstar became very stressed in their operations and all of their mines and actually had overextended themselves and it was a really bad time for that company. So they put all of these mines up for sale. They had purchased Campo Morado for about 410 million Canadian dollars in a friendly takeover. They invested uh, probably another hundred million dollars into expanding it and, and bringing in new underground mine development, et cetera. So they had over $500 million invested in this mine. And when they exited the mining side of their business, they just wanted to get rid of it. And we made it an acquisition, negotiated an acquisition price of $20 million to buy the, everything, the whole mine, all of the equipment. Uh, we put it back in production within four months of acquiring it. And we operated successfully through 2018, part of 2019. And then zinc prices became stressed again. Uh, we're down to the 80 to 85 cent level per pound. We started to have some cash flow problems. And we decided to put the mine back on care and maintenance, uh, which we did for about six months. But doing that, we were actually funding portion of the construction at our Tabuweto gold mine from operating uh, free cash flow from the sink mine, Campo Morado. When we shut it down, obviously that stopped our portion of the funding and we got stalled on the construction of the Tabuweto project. Nevertheless, we got Campo Morado back up and running in early 2000, um, have been operating it successfully since that time. And in fact, have had really good results over the last quarter and, and metal prices have cooperated. So Campo Morado is now turning out a operating profit or an EBITDA of about 0.8 million US dollars on a monthly basis. And that's, doing quite well. Um, and we expect that it will continue to do well throughout the rest of this year as we continue to improve. A couple of improvements we're working on at Campo Morado is, is Campo Morado is a, right now it's a zinc mine. We'll be transitioning towards a more copper rich zone towards the end of this year. But that copper rich zone has a lot of gold and silver in it. And one of the difficulties with our Campo Morado mine is that the gold and silver are hard to recover. They're a term that's called refractory, where the precious metals are, are locked up within the pyrite mineral. So we're embarking on a, a testing program from some new technology, relatively new technology. It's proven technology. It's installed in several mines in Africa. And the, the technology was developed by a group called Malaguan Mineral Services out of the UK. So we've just signed up a deal to bring a pilot plant onto our site at Campo Morado, where we're going to test to improve the recoveries of both the base metals, but also the precious metals. And they, they have taken this 
testing through first phase in their lab with Campo Morano ore and have been able to really increase the precious metal recoveries in first phase testing. So for example, they tested two ore bodies at Campo Morado. Um, the one ore body they were mining, which was the best metallurgy, they were able to increase their precious metal in gold recoveries up to 60% and their silver recoveries up to 80%. And then they tested the more distal ore body, which had the, the worst metallurgy so far. And they got 40% recoveries in gold and 60% recoveries in silver. So to put that into perspective, Right now, we're getting 15, 1.5% gold recoveries and 30 to 40% silver recoveries at the Campo Morado mine. So if we're able to repeat those recovery numbers they had in testing, we could increase our precious metal recoveries three or 400% in gold and up to 200% in silver, which would actually turn Campo Morado into a, a precious metal mine. Right now, it's a zinc mine because we can't recover the, the precious metals. Or, or a lot of the precious metals. So, so, so Ralph, is the Campo Morado, is, is that the only uh, mining facility you operate uh, currently? No, that, well, that's the only one that's in production at the moment. Um, you know, if we, what I wanted to do there is really just show that there's a lot of potential to increase revenues at our Campo Morado mine site. And we can also, potentially increase throughput by a thousand tons per day. There's a expansion of the flotation circuit that was being worked on by Nearstar was 80% complete when we bought the mine. So we could hopefully pull that back into production or put it into production and increase our throughput by 1000 tons per day. So we're producing 2000 tons, we'll go to 3000 tons if we can do that. Okay. But let's, so, you know, let's switch to our gold project, if that's, if you, I may think you're trying to lead me into that, which is Yeah, the, the gold and also your latest uh, financing around, sure. what was it for? Okay, so, well, we can talk about the financing. We just announced the, a $25 million US dollars uh, raise to fund the final construction cost of our Tabueto gold mine. So that looks like it'll cost us about $14 million to complete that. We're raising up to $25 million to help us restructure some of our debt with Trafigura, um, as well as have a bit of a cushion so if there's any shortfalls on the construction to be able to make sure we have enough money to complete that construction. So we're just about ready to start that. We've, we all should be closing this $25 million raise over the next two to three weeks. And then we'll get going on the, the construction at Tawaweto. It's already 50% built, 50 to 60% built. So we just need to finish it off, get into production. And we're targeting to start production towards the end of this year. Did you do a roadshow in order to raise this amount? Um, no, I mean, we've done a few uh, video roadshows, but this was really primarily led by the Ascendo Bank in Mexico, which is a mining bank. They are providing $12 million of this financing on a loan basis, but they brought a lot of investors into the equity part. We're raising US $8 million on equity. And that equity money is, is for all intents, it's all in the bank. We only have about two to $300,000 more that's coming in. And when that's all in, we'll close that part of the financing. We hope to do that next week. And then the, final part of that financing is being done with a equity or with a streaming company. 
So we're we're going to be delivering them silver out of the or the Tawaweto mine for a period of five years at 100% production of silver and then 20% production for another five years and then that stream disappears. So that's a group called Empress Royalty out of Vancouver. Uh, did you use brokered private placements for this latest uh, financing round? No, this is a non-brokered private placement. Uh, so when was it that you used uh, uh, brokers and uh, capital raisers? Well, the last time I used a, a broker and an equity raise was back in probably 2007, 2007 or eight, somewhere around there. Maybe yeah, it was if, you, if you could tell our audience a little bit about uh, how it worked with the brokers and uh, if you could uh, tell us uh, some numbers or percentages. Sure, well, a broker private placement is, first off, you have to find the brokerage company that will embrace your business and your concept. And then you have to negotiate with that brokerage company um, to what the fees will be. And generally the fees are, on a brokered private placement are 7% in cash, 7% in warrants, um, and, and that can vary depending on the negotiation process. They, their brokers, if they like you well enough, they like your project, will go out and they'll solicit their clients and maybe bring in other brokers to form a syndicate to get the funding in place for that business. And it's simply a matter of your business being attractive enough that the brokers know that they can sell your financing and at the same time um, get their fees and their warrants um, and that's how it's done. It's basically the brokers need to see that they're going to make a whole pile of money off of the, the raise of the company and it's, it's a bit more dilutive than a non-broker. I mean if you have the ability to attract the investors with a non-brokered private placement then you don't pay those excess fees. However, what comes along with a brokered private placement is more exposure. Um, if, they, if, you're, if they really like your business, they'll put you in front of a lot of other investment bankers, brokers that can buy your stock on the open markets and help you know, attain a better cap, market capitalization in your company if the business is being successful. What is the time frame of your latest uh, financing round? Well, we, we announced it uh, only about two, three weeks ago, and we expect to close it. I mean, the equity side, we hope to close next week. So the US $8 million should be closed very quickly. And then the balance of the funding is geared towards the next two to three weeks. There's quite a bit of paperwork to get in place, loan agreements. They have to, the lenders have to be put into a trust that we're, we have formed with Trafigura, so that it secures their, their money, their, their loans. So all of that takes a little bit of time in Mexico. It's just a matter of pushing paper and then getting it all in place and a lot of lawyers working on it, a lot of legal bills, et cetera. But we hope to have it all closed in the next two to three weeks. Okay, so is it similar to a SPAC? Um, I'm not quite sure that uh, term was. A special acquisition. Uh... Uh, vehicle? Uh, well, that's a bit different. A special, special purpose vehicle or, or a vehicle that you would have that would be available to put an asset into and then that special purpose vehicle would raise the money. So um, 
I couldn't say that the financing we're doing is similar to that as we already have the company. Our vehicle is the company. Okay. So, and and uh, where are your lenders from? Well, the one lender, the main lender is uh, both Trafigura, who I've told you is a, is a worldwide commodity broker. And then the Ascendo Banco is a Mexican bank that are primarily engaged in, in developing and funding mining in Mexico. Those would be the two main lenders. And um, are you looking at plants only in Mexico? At this point in time, we're totally focused on Mexico. Uh, and would we look outside of Mexico, possibly in the future, but I wouldn't see that as being something that we could attain at least for one, two, three more years. Right, we, we have to get our mine, Tawato mine uh, in production. That'll be the, the gold mine. Once that's in production, we hope to have in the neighborhood of 30 to $35 million free cash flow on an annual basis at current and, and planned production rates at Tawato. Uh, for future financing, would you consider issuing corporate bonds? Yes. Um, in fact, we investigated that possibility recently. Uh, right now, our debt is a bit high for making them successful on purchase. Uh, but it's something we have considered. It's something we would uh, consider in the future for sure. Mm -hmm. All depends on interest rates and costs. And uh, your company is a public company in Canada. Um, uh, tell to our audience what, uh, what, uh, what is the advantage of being a public company versus being a private company? Well, there's both advantages and disadvantages. So I guess the primary advantage that any company goes public is to um, have access to capital more readily, capital, and have a, a better exit mechanism for your investments. A private company, um, you know, you don't have the similar exit mechanism. It's basically the company has to grow and you either sell your position or you sell the company. On a public company, you have a liquid, more liquid investment. So the public, the shares trade in the market and you can buy and sell them on a regular basis as long as the liquidity there is in the market. And if your company is doing well and you're growing and you're making money, you're going to have the liquidity in a, in a public company. The side of, of you know why or to potentially not be a public company is the regulatory costs uh, and the extra costs of running a public company. You know the regulatory regime is quite um, stringent. You have a lot of filings. You have to make your filings. You have a lot of audits that have to be done on a regular basis. So all of that is quite costly. If you look at our company, an audit alone on an annual basis is probably 200,000, 250,000 US dollars. So, you know, this adds a lot of extra cost to running a public company as opposed to a private company. And uh, how much is your uh, free float? We have about a 30% free float at the, the moment, I guess, would be the way to describe that. Um, we have a lot of, you know, fairly good institutional following in our company, about 30% is in institutional hands. We have a large controlling block held by insiders and major shareholders. That's upwards of 40, so upwards of 45 to 50%. 
So, you know, our company's pretty well structured, although it, it does have 230 million shares issued at the moment. And then when we complete these fundings, we'll be, you know, in the 285 million share issues and fully diluted be over 325 million shares, something along those lines. Um, Ralph, are you the major shareholder of the company? Unfortunately, no. <laughs> <laughs> now, our major shareholders are uh, a, a group out of Mexico led by one of our directors and the controlling shareholder, Roberto Guzman. Then our next biggest shareholder will be, will be when we complete these fundings, will be the Ascendo Bank group in Mexico. Um, Trafigura will also be a shareholder of our company. We're just uh, converting a, a royalty. It's actually to Nearstar, but Trafigura now owns Nearstar. So essentially it'll be Nearstar. Um, so yeah, we'll have them as a significant shareholder and the Ascendo Bank. Um, so we've got some pretty large, significant shareholders. And in, term of, in terms of the organization and the structure, of your company? Is it uh, a single entity or is it a group of uh, companies? Well, it's actually a group of the companies. Towson Mining Corporation, uh, the company that's listed in the TSX Venture Exchange. We're a tier one issuer in the Venture Exchange with the symbol TSN.me. And it owns the Mexican subsidiary. So there's a, a group of subsidiaries that own the projects in Mexico. Uh, what, what is the price of your uh, share? Uh, well, I think it's around 30 cents a share right now, Canadian. And uh, are, you, are you happy with that price? Well, we have a lot of room to grow. We've had a couple of bad years, so uh, we have not been marketing for two years. We're now just, we've just approved a fairly large marketing budget. We'll be spending probably $700,000 this year on marketing. So we've engaged two groups and we're just engaging another group for you know, marketing awareness, investor relations style uh, marketing. And that will help get Telson out and much better known. And we expect uh, that our share price will appreciate as we continue to have good success with our mining in Campo Morado. And as we can get closer and closer with our construction to finalizing and turning on our mine at Talamento that should lead our company on a, on a very good growth pattern. Once we're in production and we start to get our cash flows moving, then we're planning on doing a lot of exploration. Both our projects have very, very good exploration potential and we expect we'll be able to expand the sizes of the mines after we get exploring and bringing in new resources and reserves. So we have a pretty good future ahead of us. We think we can really grow this company and, uh, and, and because of the last few years, we're undervalued, quite undervalued actually. Our combined net present value of our projects is in the $140 million range at a 15% discount. And our market cap right now is, I think it's about $35, $40 million. So right there, there's a lot of room for growth. Um, when you decide to invest in a, in a mining facility, how long does it generally take to break even uh, in your investment? Well, that's a really, really hard question to answer because every mine is different. The grades are different. The recovery methods are different. And uh, if you look at Tawaweto, our gold mine, 
we will pay all of our debt back uh, in within three years. And that's, the debt is going to be in the neighborhood of $35 million. So this is a very lucrative project. It's, it's, it's very robust and will produce great cash flows because of its high grade gold content. Tabuweto should be one of the four highest top grade gold producers in Mexico. Not the most gold, but the highest, one of the higher grade uh, projects in Mexico. And then in Campo Morado, I mean, we're the sixth largest zinc producer in Mexico at the moment at Campo Morado. So, you know, we've got uh, the ability to really continue to produce good cash flows. Once Tahuetos in production, that, that, that will really wrap up our free cash flow. And uh, who are your clients? Who is buying the zinc? It's all, we sell all of our concentrates to Trafigura. That was part of the, the loan offtake facilities we put in place with Trafigura. So they loaned us money to restart operations at Camp Morado, $5 million. For that, we gave them all, a promise to deliver all of the concentrate production for a period of time. And then the same thing for Tabaweto. They gave us a facility there to help fund the construction costs of uh, up to $15 million. We drew $12.5 million and then got stalled on our side of the financing. So um, for that offtake, for that loan facility, we gave them an offtake agreement for five years. And we're just actually renegotiating those and will likely extend the terms to Trafficker at the same time. Are you going to go uh, deep in uh, gold mining again? Yeah, well, absolutely. Uh, Tabuweto is a gold mine and our plans are to get that in production towards the end of this year. We'll have it ramped up to over a thousand tons per day, uh, but in the first quarter, hopefully of next year. And then we want to try to expand it. So as soon as we can start exploring, we hope to move that to 1,000 from, from 1,000 to 2,000, maybe even to 3,000 tons over the next two to five years. The project uh, exploration potential will, without doubt, uh, bring in more resources and reserves. It's, it's a very well mineralized project. In fact, it's a district. We control 75%, well, it's probably 83% of the district concessions. And, and there's a lot of room to uh, find more or a more mineralization and just really expand that project. Uh, Ralph, as we reach the end of our discussion, uh, tell our audience, if you may, what is the hardest thing when you fundraise for your uh, mining projects? Wow, that's a really good question. I mean, mining is a very cyclic industry. So when the cycle's down, nobody wants to talk to you. When the cycle's moving up, all of them want to talk to you and, and help you raise money. The hardest thing I find, I guess, is, you know, just having a, you have to have a really good project in order to attract the investment capital and get the investment bankers interested in what you're doing. So that, finding that project is one of the most challenging issues for mineral exploration uh, companies as well as mining companies. And then, you know, when you get into production, that brings in a whole new uh, level of complexity and work that, to make sure your mind continues to run. Uh, we have, you know, political risks, we have local risks, 
we have market risks, but you know, mining when when the markets are good, it can be a very, very good business. It can be very lucrative. So the most challenging thing I think is getting access to capital. Having a, a good project will help you get your access to capital. And then the cyclic nature of the industry um, is the challenging part because when the markets are down in your industry, it's almost impossible to raise money through investment banks. You have to go out and roll up your sleeves and try to raise your money uh, on a non-brokered basis with individuals that believe in your business. And I suppose in your line of business, you also have the risk of an accident happening. Mining is always a, a, a very dangerous business. So, you know, you have to really be conscious of safety and train your people well and, and uh, you know, hope that accidents do not happen. But, you know, they are, it's a, it's a dangerous business. So, yes, accidents can happen and they do happen. You try to minimize that. Uh, what are your plans for the near-term future and the uh, steps going forward? Right now, it's just uh, complete these financings. They can get the construction started again at our Tawawetu gold mine. We, as I mentioned, we hope to have that able to start producing towards the end of this year. And then at Campo Morado, we're continually producing there on a daily basis. Uh, we want to move forward on this pilot plant testing and then try to improve our recoveries and especially in the gold and silver recoveries. We hope to be able to turn that mine into a silver mine. Currently it's, it's a zinc mine, but we think we can make it into a, a precious metal mine if we're successful on this testing, taking it through second stage. Ralph, I would like to thank you very much for sharing with us uh, the insights of your uh, company and organization. Uh, we will be looking at your stock price and uh, we'll speak later. Good. Thank you very much. It's a pleasure to be here. And, uh, you know, if any of the listeners would like to follow us, log into our website. It's just pretty simple, www.telsonmining.com. You can uh, get onto our mailing list there. And you can certainly keep in contact with us uh, through that means. Okay. That's great. See you later. Thank you, George. Bye-bye.